Trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat for Halloween. So when ghosts and goblins by the score, ring the bell on your front door. Better not be stingy or your nightmare will come true. Thanks for joining us for our Halloween-themed episode of the 10-Page Podcast. Uh, after getting the trick-or-treat earworm stuck in your head, I just wanted to make a quick note that this episode has just about five minutes of a little bit of echoing dialogue before we figured out how to address it. Um, so, you know, hopefully you won't notice it, but um, it shouldn't last too long. So enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Bark's Remarks. I'm Mark Severino, a grown man who enjoys duck comics, and I really love Halloween as well, talking about Halloween. And I'm very excited today to have a couple of guests on who can talk about Halloween and duck comics as we discuss a couple of 10-pagers, or at least close enough to 10-pagers, for this uh, episode of the 10-page podcast. We're going to be talking about the stories Hoblin Goblins and Wispy Willy. But before we do that, my guests today, one, one is new and one is returning. I've got Tim Arts and Henrika Hurhaus, who are Dutch comic artists. Um, and, and I'm just always so thrilled to have duck artists on to talk comics. So you guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, why don't you introduce yourselves and, and let us know about what you do with the comics and maybe a little bit of your relationship to, to Halloween. Um, Tim, since since you're joining us for the first time, can can you talk about your work? Uh, yeah, so I'm um, a, a Disney artist from the Netherlands. I do other comics, but mostly Disney. I've been drawing since uh, I've been drawing them since well, 2009, and uh, on and off again during my studies, I kept kept drawing the ducks. And at the end, I thought, well, why not just make my job of it? Because yeah, it's it's what I do anyway. So I just kept on drawing and uh, finally got accepted to draw comics for the Dutch Donald Duck Weekly. And um, a few years ago, I actually got asked to do some uh, digital paintings for the new DuckTales uh, show. So uh, in some episodes, you'll see my work during flashbacks. Um, so oh, that was great. That's really cool. I, I, can I, let me interrupt. Are those the, um, the ones that are kind of stylized to look like the, the Barks? spot style paintings yeah they um <clears throat> they're still in the the characters look like the the those from the show right um but the the colors and the atmosphere is supposed to be barks like as, as good as i could get it so yeah those are mine and uh, i was really proud of those so yeah you, you should be proud of those those are those are really good. I, I watched through the whole series, which I felt was like pretty uneven, but but that art was like some of the standout. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, I I've, I really enjoyed the like throwback art that was in that series. And and you had some really um really neat art. I saw the the digital paintings that you mentioned online. You also did this really cool stamp series um for the for a Netherlands like it sounds like a social welfare program, but it was really cool art. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, those are are um indeed a, a good cause uh, thing here in Netherlands. Um, tradition dating back to the nineties. 20s i think but it's uh, like uh, school children they go uh, and sell these stamps uh, door by door to door 
and the money goes to a good cause and the good cause is different every year but mostly it's aimed at the lives of children and making trying to make them better right they they try to partner up with uh, different um ips so uh, this year was donald duck and I did draw them last year for another IP, which is Tom Puss, um, but that's not known uh, <laughs> overseas. Right. So. Yeah, I think yeah. I know it by name, but I'm not really familiar with it. So you've been you've been a Barks a long time Barks fan, right? Yeah, I, I have. Um, when I was a kid, I um, I had to do had to go into surgery for uh, little tubes in my ears or something. Uh, but my oh, yeah. parents thought like, oh, he's he's. Uh, my parents they felt sorry for me and they uh, they said like, oh, well, let's just give him a subscription to Donald Duck Extra. It's like the Donald Duck Weeklies, but another monthly uh, publication. And um, with that subscription, I got a always got a, a gift, and this was like an, an album full of Barks stories, and I immediately fell in love with those. Um, nice. And and Wispy Willie was actually one of those stories in that album. Excellent. So, and then yeah, because you were excited to to join join for that one. So yeah, I, I love yeah. it when people are really animated about a specific story. Well, well, thanks again for joining. Um, and then how about over to your colleague? Right, you guys get to work together occasionally. Uh, yeah. yeah, so this year on the back of the, the Dutch magazine, there's every week there's a one-pager. And for all of 2022, we got asked to to draw them, but we don't collaborate on them. We, we draw them separately. But right. uh, I also have a, another job. Well, Tim also has like 10 other jobs. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but <laughs> he's been drawing like two, uh, three quarters of them, and I've been drawing a quarter of them. But we've also... We also we both draw Tompus and we've also collaborated actually on a book in the past where we really split the drawings so where where I drew the characters and Tim drew the background. So we've also actually worked together, but our Disney comics have been separate so far. So nice. we always every time we have sketches we send them to each other and give each other feedback. I think there's even there's even one where Tim where I couldn't figure out some arms so Tim just drew it drew it for <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. But, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's something we haven't mentioned, but we uh, we know each other for quite a while already. I think maybe since I was 14 or something like that, we were on a very nerdy doll duck Disney comic for. <laughs> so that's where we where we got to know each other. And uh, so we go back a long time where we both wanted to become comic artists. So it's that's cool that great. we both got to do it. Otherwise, I would feel really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is great that you guys got to come up together. And now, now I gather that they don't um, they don't give you guys creative creator credit in uh, the Netherlands, right? Yeah, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny thing in the front of the magazine where if you use a magnifying glass, you can see a list of names. Okay. But it's only the people then who got hired locally. So I think, for example, if they have an Egmont comic in there, those artists aren't listed at all. And it also doesn't say who did what. So Yeah, so I think it's alphabetically also. So it's yeah. you have to does guess. That, <laughs> does that, is that a source of friction? I mean, um, from... I think it depends on the artist. Whether, I think most people would prefer to get credit. And I think... <laughs> Right. I don't think it's really a source of friction, though. There's even within the magazine, I think they're still reconsidering whether they should uh, put credit in or not. It's just it's it's always been like this, and I just never started doing it. And you know, right. some, it's a way, certain way, it's right. hard to change it. But then I do notice when when it does get republished in a different country and our name is there, I do like it. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel a little exposed? Yeah, yeah, I mean, huh. I'm clearly a, a rock star in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> the name got published once. 
Well, it's I think it's important to give creators their credit, but but I, I understand feeling conflicted about it. Um, well, yeah, so what, what? It's 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 mainly when when I was reading as a kid, I wanted to know who drew what because of course if you're a fan, you can tell the styles apart. And with many artists, it took me well basically took until I found Index, which is also when I was 15 or something. But my whole childhood, I definitely had favorite artists, and there was just no way of knowing who they were. So right. I personally. I always did prefer um, the one exception is called Barks because for Barks they um, not when he's in the weekly magazine but um, there's this whole that album that Tim talked about that he got as a gift there's this uh, series which is the title is the best stories of the yeah. they're pretty clear about it and it's all it's, it's only Barks and with this album series I personally when I was little I had two or three of those albums and I had the exact same one that Tim had so I also Wispy Willie is also one of the first comics I, I read. I must have been five years old or something. Nice. So. Good. I'm, I'm glad this is uh, one that has some some deep meaning to you guys. Um, <laughs> but but what about Halloween itself? Does that have any real meaning for you guys? Nope. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, only recently, I think. Uh, it's it's starting to, to, to come up here. And um, I've been following some, um, I don't know if you know, the Angry Video Game Nerd. Yeah. Is James Rolfe and his collaborator is Mike Matei, and he's also a Barks fan. So oh, neat. Okay. Anyway, he, he had this series where he he talked about uh, spooky movies uh, from the 30s and and, and all all that stuff, and that kind of got me into the mood of of Halloween during this season. So yeah, recently, last five six years, I've been getting into a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I also I of course Halloween is because I have a lot of friends from the US and I'm online a lot. Of course, it's impossible to miss Halloween regardless. Right. Of what you. But it's been people in Europe watch American movies and American TV shows, so they're going to know Halloween at some point. And I think I would say in the past 10 years or so, it's really become, it's very much become a thing here over here as well. But still, I've never been trick or treating or I don't, I still in my town at least. And also I moved to Amsterdam and there I also never really saw that people decorating their houses is not a thing. And it's actually funny, Ten, I think about 10 years ago. One single time um, in our neighborhood, they tried to do an event and they went trick-or-treating and the kids came at the door. My mom opened and she didn't know what they wanted. (laughs) So I ran to the cupboard and found some candy because I knew what they wanted. My mom literally didn't know what Halloween was 10 years ago. So that kind of says a lot about how how big that is culturally. Right. Well, as far as cultural um, exchanges, I think it's one of our better ones because it's it's a great holiday. So uh, it'll be fun to hear your thoughts as yeah. uh, folks who don't, you know, observe the holiday directly, but but are very culturally aware of it. I looked up uh, before before we started. I, I was curious how Trick or Treat Barks comic was translated in the Netherlands. And oh, yeah. It's actually, they call it Feest, which means uh, Spring Festival, which is not even a thing that we celebrate. So oh. I've never yeah, they just came up with something random. So you guys, as mentioned, we're we're covering a couple of um a couple of Halloween ten pagers today. Part of the podcast is that I really like to do the big like adventure stories chronologically, and so I just I can't really time things like trick or treat to Halloween. Um, but that's why it's nice to cover the ten pagers because I've just felt free to kind of throw them in wherever and group them thematically. And um, and these are a couple of 
sparks like better spooky stories. But but if you're looking for a real Halloween story, you know, you should check out Trick or Treat. It's um it's not one of Bark's best just because it was adapted from the cartoon, uh kind of secondhand adapted, but it's it's still a lot of fun and and it's not without its like controversy because apparently it was like too scary when Barks <laughs> initially turned it in. Um, so so they required him to like remove a lot of the original stuff that he'd added for its first printing. And and that left him needing to kind of make up this shortfall in pages. And, and so they asked him to do this additional short story, which is the first one that we're going to talk about called Hoblin Goblins. Apparently, Barks was not very pleased about it because I, I think they didn't even pay him for the pages <laughs> that that, uh, that he was required to leave out. But um, to me, this one kind of, you, you can kind of tell that it's a little bit, it feels a little bit half-baked. It's a little bit weirder than your average Barks story, um, but, but it is fun. So a little bit of the background because it was that replacement story. It was published in the same issue in the United States in Donald Duck 26. Um, technically, it's a nine-pager, not one of our 10-page podcast stories, but close enough. Hmm. It is. This came out in November of 1952 was the cover date for it. And um, you had mentioned Index earlier, Henrika. Um, I use that site heavily, of course. It's where users can find information about the comics. Um, and then review stories as well. So we'll, we'll check in on the reviews. It is kind of a middle of the road ranked story on Index. It gets a 7.2 out of 10, which is ranked 1,220 out of all like 42,000 stories on Index. And um, there there are a few notable things about this story. Do you guys, uh, I'm I'm sure you guys noticed that it's one of Gyro's very first appearances, right? Yeah, when he didn't lose his weight, <laughs> he gained a lot of weight <laughs> in his first appearance in his second one. But, right. Um, or, or he's wearing a fat suit or something. It's uh... Yeah. So yeah, it's a very pudgy. Yeah, but Full disclosure, this is, so the other comic I'm very familiar with, but this was my first time reading this one. And I actually didn't know that there was another story where Gyro was still, uh, this design was used. So that was also very jarring to read. It um, is a little jarring to see pudgy, like first character design version of Gyro. This is his third appearance um, after, oh, well, Henrika, you you and I talked about his first, which was just yeah. a quick little cameo in um, Gladstone's terrible secret you, you can tell that he got rid of his pogo stick after that. <laughs> right yeah that would have that would have helped him keep um keep the weight off well for whatever reason barks decided to make him more svelte and uh, it's obviously been a very popular character design and the only other notable thing i noticed about this is that this is like it's a it's billed as a donald duck story but it says featuring Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And really, they're they're the stars of this one. Yeah. Yeah. In the Dutch version, the, it, the title doesn't even... The title is just uh, the title characters are Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. Donald is mentioned. Um, right. But what I what I wonder about this comic, and we'll, we'll go through it, um, other than the fact that he had to replace it, 
it really felt to me this this story felt to me in a similar way like the um, the golden christmas tree for example it felt like somebody else gave him a prompt that it that it had to involve goblins because it feels a bit unrelated to the rest of the story it could have been told without the goblins in it probably exactly but i mean right. we'll, we'll through that i'm sure when we, yeah and goblin has kind of a a weird connotation in 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 american english i don't know that i could exactly define what goblin means but like it doesn't feel like an invisible presence to me yeah. so this yeah. this feels more like it would match the description of like fairies or imps or something or the gremlin things um yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know this this cover by walt kelly i think where there's gremlins on a plane and they do right, something right. but yeah yeah, yeah it definitely it matches kelly's gremlins those are fun little again impish characters yeah, yeah. so but uh, that's also uh, because we we're i think tim has the dutch one as well so I'm, I'm reading both the english and the dutch one at the same time but the thing with goblins is that there's actually no direct translation for the word so if you would translate it to Dutch, they, they use the word that you would use for ghosts or genies in English. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. would when you would want to describe an actual goblin, like the, the creature you would think of, you would use a different word in Dutch. So like it would maybe be like an, an ogre or a kobold or something, but those would definitely not be invisible. So it's already right. a strange setup from the get-go. So in Dutch, uh, Jaro is basically talking about ghosts. So, yeah, yeah, which makes more sense. Wanted to add to Henrika, like uh, like evil spirits is is sort of the yeah yeah. I think any of those terms like spirits or imps or even ghosts would have worked. Um. So so how about it? You guys ready to go into the the kind of meat of the story? Sure. sure. Excellent. So I'm gonna um describe the action on each page and give you guys uh, a break in between to kind of chime in with your thoughts. So. This one, Hoblin Goblins, opens with um, the boys, the nephews, encountering Gyro. And he's in the midst of kind of a, a mini panic. He's telling them to get back away from his, what's going to turn out to be his workshop. Um, and he, he has them duck behind a bank to, to avoid any danger. And he goes through this sequence of like things to be careful of. First, it's in English, it's flying hex rays, and then his electronic atom squirter. Uh, there, there's some very neat art showing the effects of whatever this like weird experiment that's going on at his workshop is. I, I like the opening. I think it's pretty strong. It's very intriguing. Um, and, and by the end of the first page, he tells them it's safe to come out and see his new invention. And he describes it as his greatest aid to mankind to date, a goblin foiler. Tim. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun that he um, like he, he doesn't show what he's inventing. It's like already in the unseen world or something. So mm-hmm. kind of sets it up for a mystery. So that's that's really cool. Um, what do you think, Enrique? Yeah, it's, it's a great setup for, it could even be the opening of a big adventure comic, but uh, I like how he gets just right into the action. And right. um, something I also found interesting, what Barks always does, especially since Gyro is so new, that he, uh, Gyro comes running in and the nephews say, it's Gyro Geerloos, the fabulous inventor. And I just noticed in the Dutch version, they don't bother to say that at all. They're just like, oh, it's Gyro. <laughs> He's already so established at that point that they didn't feel the need to translate that that sentence. Right. But, uh, but it, it's it's definitely because it's a new character. But I feel Barks always 
tries to set up the characters in a way so you can uh, understand who they are without knowing the character. Right. He does some really, he does some quick signaling, which I guess was necessary since it's his like second real story. All right. On to the to the next page. Um, we go into Gyro's workshop, and he's showing off the invention, which is kind of it's a really great panel. That first one, um, where where it shows us the goblin foiler. It's in the midst of this uh, really wonderfully illustrated range of gadgetry that's that's labeled with some nice little sight gags, um, and it's just suspended from a pole uh, in 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 the midst of all these rays is blasting at it. And boy, Barks gives us some very quick exposition about what this is. He Gyro explains that it is the first ever device made to outwit goblins. And we get this very brief moment. This should be like a worldview shattering moment, right? For for the nephews. Um, this should call everything about their existence and their theology and everything into question. But but we got this goofy nine-page gag story, so that's not what it's about. The nephews take a quick moment to boggle over the fact that there are really goblins. And Gyro explains, yeah, they're just invisible. They cause all all trouble. We get reminded that this is for Halloween by saying that that's when they work overtime. And uh, and. And he shows off the invention to them and explains how it works. Henrika, do you want to tell us about the invention and how it works? Yeah, so it, it looks like a little horseshoe, but it basically is a almost like a magic eight ball horseshoe. Right. A, a, a horseshoe on a, on a string with a little knob on it. And it shows a little, it has a little window in it that shows uh, text at the top. And the device is going to, give you advice of what to do when any trouble comes up. Yeah, I like I like the simplicity of the invention. What do you think, Tim, about this page? Yeah, it, it, it also kind of reminds me of uh, the, the device itself, like um, if a toilet is occupied or not. <laughs> right. Really. But it's it's fun. Yeah, the, the exposition is really quick. And I really like the, the panel with in the at the top, the first panel. The nephew is looking really impressed. <laughs> Such and a little funny... faces. Yeah, right. Dumb, dumb expressions on their faces. It's really yeah, you good. you see them making like um, whistling, like. Yeah, oh, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was my first time reading this comic, and the second page just baffled me. Indeed, his worldview shattering. He just drops the knowledge that all troubles are called by right. Class, yeah. Every I day. guess. Uh, we have everything that's bad in the world to blame on goblins, and Jarrow just fixed it, apparently. So. Right. This is definitely, Barks doesn't care about canon, but this story yeah. is about as non-canonical as they come. It's funny because it's also, this is still when Jarrow mainly is about making useless inventions, I guess, but this seems... It seems a very like a very useful invention, but then in a very unpractical way, solving your problem. And, and of course, the fact that we never see the goblins or anything, you know, it could very well just be this crackpot thing that's not doing anything. Yeah, this is also why I was wondering when it was translated to Dutch, if they even bothered to mention the goblins, because you could just, it could just be anything. You You don't see any goblins, at least... Not yet. <laughs> right. It could be predicting the future itself. So on on to the third page, you know, the nephews are excited. 
they're bringing it home. Um, and, and, you know, they're talking about how they can avoid anything unpleasant. And, and, and as they approach home, very conveniently, Donald and Daisy are having a conversation. And Barks is going to set this up by needing the nephews needing to avoid their worst nightmare and and what is a little boy's worst nightmare in the night in the 1950s it's uh, it's being around little girls this is the part of the story where we get some some pretty weird gender politics thrown in here um because daisy is telling Donald, she wants the boys available to dance with the little girls at her afternoon party. Uh, and, and they describe it as the most horrible torture a boy can endure. I wouldn't disagree, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I would have been right there with them at that time it's just i i never experienced anyone basically you know telling me oh your job this this afternoon is to come dance with little girls it's, yeah, it's that, such that's, a weird shoehorn setup yeah it's 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 basically donald's worst nightmare all over again only the setup is even stranger yeah it, i don't think a, in the 50s people were this cruel to boys <laughs> right you a girl's party to dance right um, and, and then this, the page closes out with one of the nephews making a pretty cool expression, saying that it's lucky for them they've got this goblin foiler. Any other thoughts on this one, Tim? Uh, yeah, I'm also right there with them in, in the 1990s. Uh, I, yeah, I wonder how it is today. But no, it's it's really great that, that that's the most horrible thing they can endure. It's, it's really funny to me. They could, they could, they, times. All these, they could fix world hunger with this, but they choose to. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, the next the next sequence, it gets pretty inventive here, right? It. it if you ignore the fact that this is all being caused by invisible goblins, I like this this sequence here where they they take the advice of the foiler, which says to go far away. I'm gonna say it's not the most innovative advice ever. But they decide they opt to go to Grandma Duck's farm, and uh, and very predictably, that this feels you guys like kind of the Gladstone Donald sequences, right? Where where his luck is kind of the foil, but um, Donald, it turns out, is going to head to Grandma's as well to harvest some pumpkins. And by the time they've walked five miles to get out there, Donald has beaten them. Yeah, I guess uh, Donald went by car. <laughs> right, probably. I like how um, the so the advice is just go far away, and the nephew say sounds like good sensible advice, <laughs> which <Right. laughs> which is pretty um, self aware. But yeah, this again, this this page, like you said, it 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 sounds almost like a Gladstone story, and I don't know if 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 Barks ever said anything about this specifically, but it still feels to me like he maybe had this idea for. A different comic and that he maybe shoehorned it in to work with goblins it, it it feels like it could have been an interesting gladstone comic but then he he ended up using it with a with a kind of tacked on halloween halloween theme right but i'm not sure of course maybe i'm i'm doing him a disservice by thinking this but that's how, we, how the comic feels to me. yeah i remember reading a little bit about it um, when I was doing the background for Trick or Treat, I didn't really review that. I, th I think, as I recall, he just kind of slapped it together, <laughs> which, which it feels like. And the bills need to be paid. <laughs> yeah. Which I, yeah. I, I can understand this as a, 
for right. a, a story that's slept together, it's still good reading. I mean, yeah, it's very, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Absolutely. And this this is a book. go ahead. Um, I love the tech bo- the text box that says if goblins could be outwitted that easily there'd be no fun in having them around. Right. Yeah, it feels like Bark sometimes has the most fun in his text boxes. So it proceeds in this sequence where they're going to go through and and do their best to, to stay one step ahead. So the next time they spin the dial, the foiler tells them to climb a tree. It's a really appealing looking apple tree that they climb and and start picking an apple from. And um, while while they're doing this, Donald is complaining about the drudgery of harvesting and and piling some pumpkins. And he decides that he's going to take a rest under, under that apple tree and enjoy an apple. And so he just absolutely wails on the apple tree with a, with a club or a branch. And as he says, well, quite a harvest as a bunch of apples, but also the nephews fall right on out. Yeah. And what a way to, to pick an apple, just yeah. wail on it. <laughs> right. I guess he's too short to one <laughs> and and we get we get next a, a brisk little sequence that's basically the nephews um consulting the foiler and they also comment that only a goblin could give him such speed so they've just totally bought into this whole universe now yeah they basically um, became hyper religious <laughs> on the right. spot by, by uh, right everything everything, is, everything is caused by goblins um it, it is pretty weird you guys they're usually so rational so uh barks really has to it's 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 pretty strange right they're they're usually <laughs> such rational characters but but we know that we've talked about this a lot on the podcast barks is very elastic um and he makes his characters be what they need to be in a given story while not like totally diverging i think from their their true nature so the goblins the goblin foiler tells them to plead for mercy beg for mercy and uh he puts them he draws them in a pretty great pose of supplication and they beg for for it and and donald um, Donald acquiesces. Um, Henrika, do you want to tell us about the bargain he makes with them? So he says, I'll make you a deal. You pile the pumpkins, but if you carve so much as one face in one pumpkin, you go right back to Daisy. And of course, this is also one of those things that if you don't know about Halloween, this makes zero sense. <laughs> I bet. Why he, would even, why he would even assume they would do that. Actually, in the Dutch version, he just says, if you make a game out of this, I'll send you right back. So. They didn't translate that directly. But um, yeah. the, nep- the nephews look adorable as he talks down to them. <laughs> he apparently does not ex- he doesn't have high expectations of the nephews that he already expects them to carve the pumpkins they were told to stack. Right. I like the idea that they're just going to be so overcome with the urge to carve a pumpkin. Have you guys <laughs> ever carved a pumpkin? No, I, I want oh. to do it for years already, but... Uh... It's also hard to buy giant pumpkins here. <laughs> I bet. So I'm here to tell you, as as a parent of young kids, and I've been through this now. I'm going on my my third kid. It's actually really super unpleasant to carve a <laughs> pumpkin because, like, you have to clean it out, and it's it takes a long time, and it's 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 like the slimiest vegetable. I guess they're technically a fruit. Um, 
it's the slimiest inside of so like it really does fall apart but um but yeah you, you're not going to just sit there and carve it randomly um yeah and of and, course if, you, if you're an artist you have to make a really good pumpkin <laughs> right you can't get away with it <laughs> yeah Hey, Tim, do you want to tell us about this next sequence? I, I think this is one of the highlights of the story. I always I always liked it best as a kid. Yeah, so so the nephews um, are grumbling like uh, they, they have to get out of this jam, uh, this, this deal that they made with Uncle Donald. And it kind of feels like um, their own fault, all of this stuff, but <laughs> that's just me. Right. Um, so the, the, they spin the dial and it says, uh, just sneak away. And uh, as the kids sneak away, uh, Donald throws another pumpkin on the pile they've been uh, they've been building, and um, three of the pumpkins uh, fall <laughs> on top of uh, three spades or three uh, tools, mm -hmm. and on also on top of the fence. And uh, somehow those <laughs> those uh, pumpkins land on the nephew's heads and uh, being carved by those tools in this in the fence. And uh, Nobody but a goblin could have dreamed up this catastrophe. <laughs> and immediately right. Donald is, is there, of course. Right. Yeah, and he catches them red-handed, so he believes. Yeah. I don't know why they would have smacked the pumpkins onto their own heads. Um, but of course, there's no other explanation. They can't blame it on goblins. It's it, it's a very goofy sequence, but um, but it's fun. It's one of those chains of events that Barks makes sometimes that's, that's neat. Yeah, I love um, how this feels like a. Uh, it feels like he went back to his storyboarding days for this sequence. It would have been yeah. great in a cartoon. Yeah. But I, I also just... I love how 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 he just he, they apparently sneak away so quickly, which is by the way terrible advice. <laughs> he they sneak <laughs> away so quickly. He just throws Donald throws a pumpkin at an empty pile, and the the his very first thought is, oh, they went to carve pumpkins. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Right, as though it's like a as though it's like a drug habit of theirs or something. Yeah, I could just hear Cartoon Donald saying uh, in his voice, like so, like so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I not do. Yeah, we don't get a lot of that so from the comics, but it's ever present in the cartoons. Um, so you know, it, the sequence goes into the nephews fleeing again, and uh, while while their uncle is tangled up in what seems to be. Um, they get their last piece of advice, spinning the dial, they're told to hide, and uh, they come across a very large pumpkin, which is the only place, and they need to get inside. And again, you guys, it's, it's cartoon logic, so that's fine, but even, even as a silly eight or nine-year-old, I was like, wait a minute, I've carved a pumpkin before. I know that it would take hours to get the guts out of that to make room <laughs> to actually hide in there. And, and the predictable thing happens in that uh, Donald has to go up chasing them and we get our, our brief appearance from Grandma Duck. I don't get to talk about her that often, you guys. Um, who says that Daisy phoned requesting a pumpkin for her party? And wouldn't you know it, Donald is going to get that big showpiece pumpkin. I'm going to The story this just like becomes the, more uh, ridiculous as it continues. <laughs> right. Uh, I, yeah, wonder, I wonder if the if the goblin foiler is actually just reading the nephew's thoughts because all the advice it gives it gives is basically the most basic first thought you would have as a child. 
Right. Hide, hide. Sneak away, hide. Yeah. Exactly. And it feels like, definitely feels like none of this would have happened if they hadn't, like that they were, that they called the attention of the goblins or something who usually wouldn't have like honed in on this. Um, and, and the next sequence, the, the last page or so of the story is, um, <laughs> it's very goofy. Daisy, at, at Daisy's party, she has hired a, a swordsman named Monsieur <laughs> Le Blade, who's going to show demonstrate how to carve a face with a saber. Um, I do love his like ridiculous Frenchness. I don't know how they, if they convey that in the Dutch one or anything, but but he's ridiculously ac- accented here. He says, voila, with the cavalry thrust, I carve the eye. Touché. I love how the nephews yell Jiminy Christmas uh-huh. as they near, nearly die. Right. <laughs> this is honestly right, one yeah. of the most dangerous situations the nephews have ever been in. <laughs> how about it, you guys? Did either of you have the Dutch to see what um, how that um, was translated? He, he yeah, doesn't, also, uh, doesn't use an accent. But... Oh, okay, no goofy. But I do, he does. He does say unnecessary French words because he's called Monsieur le la Musketier. Okay, and he says voila un autre uh, à la dirt. Oh yeah, he also says garde, Yeah, but uh... and yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. just slicing through the pumpkin, and as he's about to finish it up, the nephews um, are forced to use their their handy 1950s era pocket knives that every child every boy at least had to carve their yeah. way out and and they they keep them in their invisible pants pocket right and and he exclaims sacre bleu the pumpkin was populated and uh henrika tell tell us about the like closing of the story with the little girls and everything yeah so the girls shout out oh goody goody <laughs> The nephews look absolutely petrified. Just they get, I don't know how many girls are there, seven or eight. They just run at them. So there's more girls than boys. So that's already, right. I can only imagine what horrors they had to endure. <laughs> and it follows with one of the greatest panels I've ever seen of the nephews. <laughs> uh, it says, as evening shadows fall. Well, 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 what a great gala afternoon, says Donald. And the nephews walk in front of him, just looking. I've never seen them any angrier. <laughs> Right, expressions of murder in their eyes. Um, I'm, I'm at least happy that it, I would be worried for them that they would be covered in in lipstick or something. But right, thankfully they they seem to have survived. Okay, it's just their dignity that got shattered. Right, and and we get one of those classic um, violence gag endings where <laughs> where he asks them well, aren't you tired aren't you going to go home donald says and they say not yet uncle donald right now we're going to see a man about an invention and they they've gotten some large clubs from a wood pile and there's a very convenient sign gyro gearless inventor <laughs> that away as they stride off to to wail upon him so, yeah, pretty large clubs too. It's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be brutal. Maybe that's how he lost that weight <laughs> yeah, during his recovery. Yeah, just beat it, beat it. Yeah, he had, he went. He ended up in hospital for seven months. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just so. So you guys, that's Hoblin Goblins. Um, it, I guess it should really be Hoblin Gear Loose by the end there. But um, it 
we haven't been too kind to the story, but it does have some really fun sequences, some nice expressive character art. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, as a whole, I, I still like it a lot. It, it, I, I remember it for reading it from when I was a kid, so it, it stuck with me, as, mm-hmm. as a lot of Bart stories do. But I think the fact that, that as a kid, I really didn't want to dance with girls <laughs> or <laughs> anyone for that. You found it um, relatable. Yeah, uh, I still don't like to dance, but so uh, yeah, it really stuck struck a chord with me as a kid, and um, I think it it might have done with lots of kids back then. So it, it's really these these ridiculous situations uh, that make it a fun story. Otherwise, it probably would have been a bit boring. Yeah, what do you, what do you think, Enrica? Yeah, so I mean, the story in in most part it doesn't really make sense, and it aged poorly, but it's very funny. So. I like it because if I laugh when I'm reading a comic, I usually like it. So uh, yeah, it's it just it definitely like I said, it feels you can you can kind of it's not well structured. It's not as well structured as most of you what what you would expect from from Barks, but nonetheless, it's it has a lot of really funny moments in it, and the expressions are great. So I would still consider it a very enjoyable comic. Yeah, you're totally right about those expressions. It's it's one of the things that I love doing about the podcast is that it forces me to like pay such careful attention to each panel that I find all these great expressions, like those murderous faces that, you know, I, I may not have fully appreciated um, just du- during a regular read through. So that there's some really fun sequences here. It's just the whole, I do find it off-putting how we're just supposed to accept the invisible goblins for it. It's it's a ridiculous story. Yeah, and Gyro doesn't doesn't read through. There are a lot of things in here that if I would look at the story very critically, I would consider not very good story writing, but I guess uh, he had a good excuse for it. But, right. Yeah, it's weird how Gyro basically doesn't return and the goblins are, I wonder if they're even real. And when I was reading it, I kept expecting to either see something or that it gets acknowledged that it, that the invention doesn't work or that they're not real, but it just, it's, it just feels like a sequence of events that is enjoyable. So I wouldn't yeah. consider it a great story, but it's, it's, it's a really fun read. It is. And, it um, is very entertaining. And what you said about the, the expressions in the panels. So while I hadn't read this comic before, a lot of these parks panels are, they've been reused out of context so often in the Dutch magazine that several of these panels are drawings that I've seen tons of times already. So it's funny to finally see them in the context of the comic they're from. Yeah, I bet. That would be cool. Um, yeah. How, how about it, you guys? Any any favorite panels that you'd like to really highlight? That that one from that last page that we just mentioned with the nephews looking, <laughs> right. looking angry. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's got to be the winner as far as the expressiveness. I really yeah, did f- like Gyro's workshop and the and the just crazy elaborate equipment. Yeah, and I wonder if this is the is this the first time you see his workshop on the inside? I think so because um he's never in it in the uh think box story. He's they're they're outside and out and about. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's actually the first the first time you see Jairus workshop. Which, yeah, this, by the way, this... it's it's fun. I just I just thought about this actually that there's no door or wall. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I just, just wide I just open. realized that. Yeah, so so I assume panel, for safety. Yeah, so the panel. I mean, I think it's just the storytelling. So he wants to have them running towards his workshop. So he's he's showing them entering the workshop, but because it's difficult to show them entering. Mm. All these characters entering through a door, I think 
he just didn't draw a door, but he just you, waves you it away. You, you don't think about but, it. But his lightning experiment had down. his lightning yeah. experiment had to be outside. So it's sort of yeah. That's true. Right. I wonder. Right. Hmm. <laughs> but it's Any these other... things that you don't that you don't think about until you draw it yourself or when you start paying attention. <laughs> Tim, any other panels you wanted to highlight? Uh, yeah, for me, the one uh, Donald uh, striking the tree with the, with the club is is like <laughs> it's really funny to me. Um, oh yeah, it's not that it's and the trees. The, the trees tree. splat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So it's, it's really yeah, and um, the one with uh, the nephews uh, and they have to dance with the girls uh, when they're out of the pumpkin. Um, I really love those expressions, like yeah, dread, yeah. dread on their faces. Just revulsion. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys, that that was really good. That that's a fun story, at least to have talked about. But uh, why don't we transition to the the kind of the showpiece story? Um, and you know, this one is like not really technically a Halloween story. Um, it's just it's just spooky, right? I mean, the 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 creature is meant to be like a jack o' lantern, so but we're we're shoehorning this in a little bit. Um, yeah, and well, and well, uh, hello. So well, Halloween isn't really wasn't really a theme in comics, of course. They they would make themed magazines with spooky stuff. So in that regard, in a Dutch magazine, this would fit right in with the other ones right it fits very nicely within the, our october theme um and then you know it just feels very seasonal too so you guys were gonna uh proceed to talk about our kind of main feature story wispy willy this one was published in walt disney's comics and stories number 159 about a year later the cover date was december of 1953 this is a true 10-pager, and this one's rated quite a bit better on Index. Um, it's not like a super highly rated one, but it is well-regarded. It's it's ranked 411 right now, uh, which is good for a 7.4. And if you kind of break out all of the 10-pagers, as I've done, um, and put them on a spreadsheet, you can tell that it's in the 18th percentile of 10-pagers. So so pretty, pretty well regarded. You guys, I, I have to think that most of that is is because people remember the creature, um, Wispy Willie himself, even though he's not like a really big part of this story. He's just so darn like creepy and goofy and memorable all together. He's cute. <laughs> yeah. But yes, this is one of those. Uh, I have to say, so like I mentioned, this is one of the first Barks comics I read and I hadn't read it in years and I forgot what the story was even about but I definitely remembered I remembered this all those panels with Willie in it and uh, so you can definitely say that he's very yeah there's this panels with him that will see that they're very memorable and all the stuff that's happening to Donald is memorable but I forgot that it was Scrooge doing right. all of this too <laughs> yeah he's kind of uh, Tim he's kind of incidental to the story itself right yeah, that's that's true. Um, <clears throat> it's it's like the final thing Scrooge does to 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 his cause. But the story is, isn't titled Wispy Willie or anything, as far as I can tell in the original publication. Right. So so maybe the fans just uh, named it after him because he's such a striking character. Um, yeah, because in the Dutch one, the, the, it actually has a title, and the title is Wispy Willie, although his Dutch name is Dirk Dwaalicht, <laughs> which is also a great name. 
Right. It, most of these have been, you know, untitled originally, and at some point they just codified them. I know that this one was originally also called, um, oh, I can't remember. It had some other name too. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, he, he's what stands out. He's what people remember. So, and, and this is technically a Donald versus Scrooge story, which is easy to forget. It, it also means that this one sometimes gets printed in Walt Disney's comics and stories, sometimes in Uncle Scrooge in the U.S., um, it, it fits in a couple of places. Yeah, this is definitely one of those stories where when I saw DuckTales as a kid in the 90s, I always, even when I was very young, I thought Scrooge acted so strange because he was so nice and softy. But after, when you read, if this is one of the first Scrooge stories you ever read, then you, you get to see the worst of Scrooge, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just terrible. Yeah, he's, but, he's a real jerk in this one. He's, <laughs> he's an outright villain in this one. Which, which I enjoy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it can be fun. Um, you, you, you have to read the stories as though every issue, does, you know, n they don't relate to each other. Yeah. I, I, did you still do you still do the sequence where you read different titles from different countries? Or? I do, but sometimes I just plain forget. <laughs> so is, is there a title that you noticed um that you were animated by Henrika? I, I see that what... the German the German one is Zweitstreikhane, which just means uh in Dutch it would translate to Kempala, but like two it's two roosters that are fighting, so you can imagine what it what it means. Uh, and let's see, in the, the the Spanish title seems to be specific, but you speak some Spanish, right? Yeah. All right. So yeah, the Spanish title, it says, yeah, I see that the Spanish one, Entre Fatuos Anda El Juego, means the game is between fools. So when I when I see the Danish one, one title I can absolutely not pronounce is Dinsutnelignemand, which I guess means something like the uh, the Will of the Wisp. But then the other one, another title is Moses Framosen. So I'm going to guess that Moses is his name. It's Willie's name, and Ramosen probably means from the swamp. Nice. Um, Tim, do you want to mention any of them yeah, for the, either the of these? The Belgian one is really uh, really on the nose, I think. It's, it's just Donald sells his house. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's also the, the Belgian-French one is also yeah. Donald sells his house. In Australia, it was once called Moving Days. Yeah, that's the original title, the, the, the title that it used to have in you know, in the U.S. It's pretty, pretty bland. Yeah, and in Sweden, it's Hostel Salo. It's probably house for sale or something. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. I do like his, his Dutch name a lot. Dunne Dirk Waulicht. It's a nice alliteration. But Dirk is just Derek, basically. And so it's like Finn, Derek, Willow. Right, it's better. in keeping with Bark's alliteration for, yeah. for Wispy Willie. So... Um, yeah, let's get let's get on into the story and again yep. break in where appropriate. We get a really good setup. This is one of those kind of classic tycoon against the little guy stories that you see in a lot of media, um, where someone wants to buy a piece of property. In this case, Uncle Scrooge wants to buy Donald's house for his new. For his new widget factory, I think he's going to say at some point in the story. But but initially, as he's haggling with Donald, he's um, he doesn't want to admit. He's saying the 
the city is going to develop this part into a model district. And and he's giving Donald this uh, pretty insultingly low offer when I looked it up. 2000 bucks is what he offers him, which that, that was like the price of a median home in the U.S. about a decade and a half before is what I hmm. found looking up inflation. Um, yeah, and, maybe and it's the, page... the, worst, the worst corner of Duckburg. Or... <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably. Uh, and, and the page closes out by saying, um, by one of the nephews wondering why Scrooge, Uncle Scrooge wants this place and Donald stubbornly saying it doesn't matter. He isn't going to get it at his price. What do you guys think? It's a it's a pretty strong setup. Yeah, it is. And I really like the the, the way uh, Scrooge like tries to um, say he wants to donate <laughs> its development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he, he, he does a really poor job of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and Scrooge just starts out by lying. He just tries to buy his own nephew's house by lying to him. Right. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just horrible. And and as they talk, I love how they, uh, on the first panel, they're kind of bent over towards each other. And in the second panel, you see a, a long shot where you see the whole house. And you can just see that if you look really closely, the nephew's sitting on the fence. or they're just watching as Donald right. and Scrooge are discussing this. Boy, Bart um, draws great arguments. Yeah. I love, I love seeing two people at odds that are just... It's so amusing when Barks draws them. Um, so on the next page, we get a little bit of Scrooge's motivations. We learn that, in fact, it is that this will hold up plans for his new gizmo factory um, because he can't buy the land. And he mulls over as he's looking at a map of the area. He says that he's bought up all the other places around Donald's for half what they're worth, but that Donald insists on more than a fair price. Uh, and so apparently fair <laughs> right yeah. um oh I, I do love this part you guys he he uses an old style intercom to tell his clerk jeems <laughs> he asks him to bring in his book of diabolical stratagems <laughs> um and tim do you want to tell us uh about just t- talk about that panel where he's reading through the book <laughs> uh so scrooge is like reading a book and um he says, ways to make people sell homes, which is apparently a chapter in Diabolic <laughs> Lakes, Vermin. So, um, Can yes, you tell us about the first scheme, please? <laughs> so uh, the next day, uh, one of the nephews comes up to Donald and says, uh, have you noticed that we have rats in the house? <laughs> There's this, like, I think 20 or something rats uh, in the kitchen. And uh, Donald is like, uh, how come we have so many so suddenly? And then uh, there's somebody at the door knocking. And it's the city rat inspector. Uh, this house has rats. It will have to be torn down. And it's it's like this really goofy guy with a, a straw beard. And, and <laughs> I think yeah. some pillowcases in his uh, in his jacket. And um, it's pretty clear. It's it's uh, it's Uncle Scrooge. So. That is a classic Barks disguise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just tied him up to his face or something. Yeah, like and I, I wonder if if Donald can tell if it's him or not. I don't think so. My read of it is that he's completely fooled. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the reader way, still is... gets to see the the spats and the the glasses, and so it's right. It's pretty clear, obvious yeah, it's that very it's very obvious. Yeah. yeah, and Donald is reading Walt Disney comics and stories. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a, a fun catch. 
What is he reading in the in the Dutch version? Uh, in the Dutch one, he's reading uh, a joke book, the Moppetron, uh, which is the name. It's the name of the. There's in the Dutch Disney magazine. There's a page with sent in jokes from kids. Oh, nice! That's apparently, what he's reading. So. That's fun. Really so, plain jokes, probably. So the the fake inspector, you know, says I, I'm also an exterminator, and he <laughs> cons Donald into offering to spread some repellent around to drive away the rats and scrooge thinks to himself that it's actually skunk oil um, which is something i've never encountered in real life but i hear about in these comics all the time yeah i wonder if that's uh, i don't think that's actually something you can buy but uh the worst <laughs> imaginable smell right yeah, I, I love <laughs> this whole page is already just so silly scrooge it's... just looks silly and he says i do wonder if donald i wonder if donald knows who it who it is because he's smiling at him the whole time yeah he's smiling but it's not in that like barks is really good at drawing like wry recognition i think so i i'm pretty comfortable in in the read that um he doesn't realize he i think he's really amused when when the nephew's cat chases the mice out and knocks the skunk oil into the stranger but that's just because donald kind of appreciates mayhem yeah, I guess Donald is happy to let him in to get a free sample. And right. so so Scrooge, I mean the salesman. <laughs> I mean it's it's, right, it's the inspector who happens to be a salesman. Right. Quite the cover he says, story. You, you can you can save yourself a lot of work, a lot of trouble by selling the house. I will when I get my price and then Scrooge says fiddlesticks. <laughs> right. This whole page is very silly. It is. It's deeply silly. Any other thoughts, you guys, on this one before going on? Well, the nephews also say, as, so Scrooge gets bumped over by the cat and the 2,000 rats who are in the house. And as he gets bumped over, he gets the, the skunk oil all over himself. And uh, the, one of the nephews points at him and says, what's the matter with the inspector? He reeks, to say the least. So right. Once again, he's not, not really sure whether they know or not. I mean, I think they don't know, but you're not really sure. Which well, it because on the next page, um, Donald is kind of pondering, right? And he says, I'm surprised that Uncle Scrooge hasn't yes. been pestering me. So, like, he's not registering this, even though it's screamingly obvious to the reader. That's right. So our next our next attempt, we're going to see Scrooge's next try, is that they're going to hear a loud scream at their door, their back door. And when Donald opens the door... He's going to see a, a, a wicked witch. There's no other word for it. She basically looks like the witch in Snow White, um, I think. Right? Yeah, Which with Raven and everything. Right. Would have been really still culturally just a huge force at this time. <laughs> she announces herself as a witch who's moved in next door and says, I don't like you. Um, and for a lot of the story, Donald's just going to be this really blasé, like uh, really stoic person saying i'm sorry to hear that you don't like me what sort of spell when she threatens to cast a spell on him um and and when when she leaves you know he's laughing about it with the nephews calling her some poor deluded woman who thinks she's a witch what do you guys think yeah i really like the the, the panel with uh this the second panel it is this the word scream just scream. <laughs> across the panel. It's it's really yeah, it's it's a great setup that Donald just 
refuses to be intimidated. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yes. Barks is just trying to draw the witch from Snow White from memory here. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So it looks like, yeah, just like how she opens with, I'm a witch that has moved in next door and I don't like it. <laughs> right. Yeah, th this witch is not good at making friends, clearly. <laughs> and Scrooge keeps upping the stakes. Do you want to tell us about the next attempt, Enrica? Yeah, so, all right. So Donald says, have you ever heard of anything so corny? And he hasn't even finished his sentence. And he hears all this crashing and smashing in the kitchen. And a gorilla walks into the living room, of course. And once again, Donald is not faced at all by gorilla and he thinks it's an actual gorilla and he's like oh it's just a pet that escaped from a movie lot which is barely <laughs> makes this gorilla not intimidating <laughs> right but then uh one of the nephews points so what about this dragon that is coming through the other door <laughs> the dragon just says hiss <laughs> but uh, donald is again not intimidated he now thinks they're they must be from some tv show so donald just asks how's everything in snow in show business these days boys and <laughs> uh, there you can see the, the gorilla whispering to the dragon, uh, which makes it clear that their actors like, he won't get out. What do we do now? Uh, let's call the office. I, for whatever reason, I really like that panel of them just cat these like <laughs> fantastic creatures just talking to each other casually. It's also the dragon, even as actual fire coming out of his right. It's a pretty, they're pretty impressive costumes. <laughs> they are. Yeah, those would have cost. actually looks pretty scary. For, uh, I'll tell you, it would have cost a lot more probably than uh, the the difference in price to <laughs> to hire these actors. I also really it's like the when, when the when the two creatures like confer confer with each other. Their heads are together, but in the next panel, you see that the head of the the dragon is like <laughs> really not right. where the dragon's head is. So it's, it's <laughs> Right. Yeah, because that next panel is is them um, on the phone with Scrooge. We see those two actors uh, and then a woman who is clearly the witch. Do you guys notice that she's a human woman? Yeah, she's a human. And the, the two actors are the, the dark nose human, but she's an actual she looks like a Hollywood star. So he right. probably hired like the most famous Hollywood actor. Sure. <laughs> Uh, and and so, you know, they report to Scrooge that Donald just doesn't scare and uh, he just gets off a pithy. Consider yourselves fired. I'll try another stunt. And and this takes us to good old Willie, you guys. We're going to get to see Wispy Willie and his setup here. I really like the lead up to Scrooge, like pondering. He's kind of running out of ideas. So he goes back to the book of diabolical stratagems. I love that title so much. Um, and he ambles through ghosts, banshees, werewolves, will-o'-the-wisps. And he stops there because uh, he says, will-o'-the-wisps, there is a form of hideous horror that hasn't been used too often. And that's kind of like breaking the um, breaking the fourth wall, right? Because like that's true. It's um, literally what, what Barks was thinking when he was writing this comic. <laughs> right. It's it's like a monster that we don't see featured very much. Uh, and, and who wants to tell us what is a will-o'-the-wisp? I don't know, actually. It's, it's like this <laughs> swamp creature thing uh, made of gas or something. Um, well, that's that's what it's going to end up like being logically in the story. Yeah. But like, yeah, mythologically. It's an yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an actual phenomenon of uh, when um, uh, gas on, on marshes and swamps can sometimes catch on fire, I think. And so sometimes right. you'll see like 
I'm not sure what what's the exact cause by it, but this gas can sometimes light up, and a lot of legends or fairy tales, or I'm not sure what word I should use, uh, is yeah. based on this force force. I know. Right, that's right. I mean, um, it's it's what people, it's why people joke about like UFO sightings being swamp gas, right? Yeah. So and and the the, the Dutch name for the will of the wisp is also dwaalift is also what you would call this this gas that you see in a swamp. So. Um, but I find it interesting that, um, as we'll see, uh, the Will of the Wisp is described as a jack-o'-lantern. And that's something I didn't know because I, I know a jack-o'-lantern is what you call a Halloween pumpkin with a candle right. in it. But apparently jack-o'-lantern is originally a synonym for a Will of the Wisp. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's supposed to be like the captured wisp. Cause, and it's, and it's kind of like, it's a creature that has been used in pop culture more. You see him in like Brave and yeah. um wisps and like warcraft are kind of the same same deal but but it's Animal definitely <laughs> oh yeah it's definitely something that's not like as commonplace and barks is going to create his own version of this here so so he hires uh, a scientist he's not going to use gyro for this one right he needs some anonymous scientist and it's a guy named dr superthink um and he orders up he orders up a will o' the wisp, which the guy explains helpfully for the reader is a jack o' lantern. And Scrooge makes these like ooga booga fingers, which is great, and says, "I want more than the lantern. I want the horrible slithering something that carries the lantern." And that's all Barks is going to give us to go off of. Basically, that's that's his little mythology here what, what a commission to get as dr super <laughs> right <laughs> tim do you want to tell us about the ducks encountering dr super think in the uh swamp later yeah so uh the ducks are apparently uh, going out fishing uh, in the evening uh near a swamp near a marsh and um uh, dr super think uh is on the water with his little boat and he uh, asked the ducks if he'll help them help him catch her uh, some of the marsh gas and uh, donald says sure and uh on the next page uh, they proceed to uh, to capture some of it um donald has to stir the bottom and then the, the ooze comes up and uh, that that's the way they they capture the gas and he also sends the ducks into an old mine and asks them to bring some uh, mold from its mustiest depths <laughs> and um uh, in the end um, they, they've collected all the things and doctor was he a doctor yeah the doctor asks them um if they want to help him some more and um uh, the next scene we were in the uh, i think his laboratory and mm -hmm. uh, ducks asks uh ask what are you going to make uh, a will of the wisp uh, a queer old chap wants me to make him one complete with ghastly groping arms and luminous eyes i like uh, that reference to scrooge <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> old chap. yeah yeah so uh, strange man. Yeah. <laughs> so in the in the final panel, uh, the gas is fused into a burst of white sparks, and um, Doc asks uh, Donald to douse the lights and watch when it's the gas strikes the mold. So uh, so yeah, we're we're into the process of creating the the will of the wisp on this page. Right. I I love this like pseudo scientific nonsense. <laughs> That Barks is pretty pretty elaborately creating for this uh, this very silly um, process, but but it feels kind of believable. 
but uh, at the same time, it's quite funny. Yeah, I think with within these comics, as long as you sound con, if as long as the character sounds convinced or convincing, you can basically write whatever logic you want, as long as it's convincing within the comic. And right. something I I found very funny with these pages that is not there in the Dutch translation is that this this doctor just keeps asking him to help with increasingly weird things and to absolutely everything he says. Donald just says, "Sure." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, will you help me with this Mars case? Sure. Would you go into the mine with me? Sure. <laughs> to, just, to just, I mean, I would also be intrigued. So it's understandable that they that they going along. <laughs> right. And, um, it, but it is like just just profoundly ridiculous too. Yeah. And there's an in between uh, in the Dutch version, the panel where the the gas bubbles up is unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> Oh yeah, Tim, Tim has the same coffee, so he was also laughing. Oh yeah, <laughs> because uh, the the gas rises up, um, but the gas clouds are should be white. But in the Dutch version, they did something wrong, and instead of them being white, it says the word white. <laughs> oh, so like that, they just have the word white written in them, so they intended it was like to a make reference. them white. And they, no, they died. just intended to color them white, but they forgot to something, so it just says white <laughs> instead Oops. of. Yep. being the actual color white uh, we'll send you a screenshot <laughs> nice yeah um but, uh, you guys th- this whole sequence is also it's very atmospheric uh it's very moody um it's not like actually creepy oh, i mean up until we get the the kind of the the creature taking shape on on that next page but the ducks never look scared so we're not we're not scared, but like we see, we, we hear the doctor talk about a wispy shape forming and asking for help if it breaks, if they need to control it, if it breaks out and the ducks get to see it. And Donald describes it as a bunch of marsh gas and mold spores, but it looks like it's alive. So I feel like we never really like, even though they say it is alive, I don't think it's ever really clear if he's what he's created here, but but who cares? It looks cool. It looks cool. It um it has great character design. Is this what what you guys found memorable about the story? You know, like like I did these these panels. We only get a handful of them of of Willie himself here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's also one of those those Sparks characters that only appears once, but you just really remember the character design. And it's actually it's a shout out to Tim, but he. One of the comics he drew last year, he actually gave really a cameo in it as a. Oh, how so cool! I can I can say that it's memorable to Tim at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure was. Well, please do share that. Uh, I'd love to see that. Um, what what do you find so memorable about him, Tim? Uh, well, it's it's also the build up uh, until you the, finally see him. Um, these these especially in the Dutch uh, uh, publication, the the coloring is also very atmospheric, and um, it's it's this real mysterious thing that's growing, and just what eventually comes out of it is just this really otherworldly thing. And as a kid, it it really made an impression on me, and during the time when when i was reading the, these comics uh i also was reading uh tom Poo's comics uh, another comic that mm-hmm. enrico also draw these days um and there was kind of the same theme with these these uh will of the wisps guys and, and this, the, the atmosphere was just the same so those two stories were in my life at the same time so it kind of yeah, full of fantastical, fantastical yeah this mysterious and- yeah 
because if if I don't know exactly what age I was when I when I read this, but probably five or six, and I probably couldn't even really read text yet. But that must have been one of the silliest things I had seen up until that point in my life, yeah. <laughs> and one of the strangest. It stands yeah. out. It's it's so visually cool. He's got these tendrily arms and these eyes on stalks. I love it. I love the character and design. You can, you can hear the pheromone music playing in the background. <laughs> right. Right. But then what I also and, love is that that he's so he's he's a spooky creature, but he's very cute. He looks a bit silly, but also cute. And the nef like the, the ducks clearly like him right away. And the moment they see him, they're all smiling at him. And the doctor says they can feed him. So like like he's a little cute horsey or something. Right. <laughs> so, and and that that's really the last kind of memorable bit of the story is that we get this cool build up to to Scrooge doing what he's going to do, which is like launch him on Donald to scare them. Um, it's a smug but, nephew, he calls him. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, so we get some great villainous expressions here from Scrooge. And, and maybe the best panel of Willie is as he is kind of creeping up to Donald's house in like a full width, full page width panel. I, I love this page, you guys. Watching <laughs> watching Scrooge smirking and scheming as he observes Willie going to scare them and seeing the ducks just excitedly greet him. Hi, Willie. And <laughs> talking about getting him some tool roots as though they've got them lying around. Um, oh, and, and Willie's delightful little smacking of his lips or licking his chops. He's adorable. It's, it's it's really adorable. And I love how Scrooge describes him as this horrific monster. He's like, nobody could stand seeing him. They see him. I can hear them yelling inside. Oh, boy. He's so excited to, for them to be terrified. And he thinks, apparently, that that creature is horrifying. Right. It's uh, Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I think it really looks adorable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What what do you think, and, Tim? Yeah, Barks has this way with with regular animals to make them look really cute. Uh, it's something in the eyes, I think. But, uh, I also have to I, say, Tim, that this looks that that panel with really looking so cute. It really reminds me of your drawing style. So you really must have internalized. <laughs> Probably did. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's so cool? Yeah, I also really like the face um, that Willie makes when he's still in the the bucket thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he looks like he's scared by his own jekyll lantern that he's holding yeah that they called two monsters meet where they had like a female looking version of willie <laughs> meeting warmly meeting um uh smorgy the bad the ogre from oh, yeah. trick or treat but other than that i didn't actually run across yeah any... i wonder um i wonder if that's because i i used him as an as an ice sculpture um, oh, so it's not. Yeah, but yours, yours is so. yours is listed as a cameo, I think. But okay. with a lot of these cameos, it's. I mean, somebody has to write it on index. Right. I'm, it's not I always indexed fully. I don't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure that he has had cameos in some Dutch comics. Like there's a one by Hans van Oudenaarde that has a lot of monsters in it, and I'm sure there are some Barks monster okay. cameos. So he. I wouldn't be surprised if he was in there, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mao Heimans used him on on one of his posters, maybe. But I would have to sure. dig dig through my old comics to those type of things are not always listed online. So 
Right. This, this, I, I love this sequence. I will say that nothing else in the rest of the story really quite like stands up to how cool uh, this part is. Right. Yeah. It's people remember it for the sequence, not, not the story itself. Although there's a lot to be said for the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, Um, that counts for a lot of stories, I would say. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we only have one page left, I think so. Right, right. I, I will note before going on that I really like what they did um, on at least the reprint that I was going off of, the coloring on these few pages and the kind of glow that he casts, I think, is just really nice. This is one where it, the character needs to be colored mm. very, like, thoughtfully. Stands out because, of course, really it's supposed to be a glow-in-the-dark, translucent creature holding a light orb so that would be pretty right. challenging to to <laughs> yeah you can only he could only give it give it and hope that they would color it in a way that would uh, work with this but i think yeah that's would, a yeah. great thing to point out about how the inking is so suggestive of the 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 evening um so so tim what do you think about the closing of the story i, f- I feel i feel like it's a little weak yeah it, it kind of is but it to me it's it's also so ridiculous uh, a setup that that it it pays it off well decently so um so uncle scrooge apparently <laughs> several weeks later has built a factory uh clear around uh, donald's house and um donald is still holding out for his price uh that old tightwad can't make me sell and then all of a sudden there's this blazing of uh, trumpets of trombones right. and uh <laughs> and donald looks out of his window and Apparently he hasn't checked what 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 was what they were building near his house. So uh, trombone. So that's what he's making in his factory. <laughs> and Uncle Scrooge uh, leans out of the window and says, uh, "Yes, and we'll be testing thousands of them in this courtyard. Now, are you going to sell at my price?" And then later, Donald uh, says, "Okay, you win. I'll sell at your price." And the nephews ask uh, Donald, um, "How much?" Uh, what's your price, Uncle Donald? Donald says, tells them, uh, the same as Uncle Scrooge's, except that I wanted uh, 25 cents more to pay for my for sale sign. And then we see the uh, the nephews uh, saying, tens of millions of ducks in the world, and we get those two for relatives. <laughs> the funny thing is, you see Donald and Scrooge arguing in the background again. <laughs> so it's, it's, just, it's this hopeless situation. Right. Yeah, the nephews just look full of despair. <laughs> they, they just <laughs> yeah. like sink sink against each other. One is holding the other's shoulder. <laughs> but I I I personally like how the story ends because it's it's almost like such the build up is so big the way it pays off it's almost such a letdown that it's funny because it's so petty and uh, <laughs> that the, right. also the the trombone factory is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's literally a. <laughs> A giant factory hall, and all the trumpets are pointing out to, out of the window exactly at Donald's house, of course. Of course, Scrooge is very petty. He's Clearly. also the way he sticks his head out of the window. He, he's just so petty, and I, I I love that all of this stuff was so the whole build Scrooge was being very petty, and the and the buildup was overkill from his part. But the whole turns out the whole argument from Donald's part was also very petty and stupid. So <laughs> to me, it's actually a very funny ending because it's. Because the buildup is so big and it leads to basically 25 cents that makes it funny food. Right, exactly. All, all of the humor of the ending is in how um, just how much overkill there was for this ridiculously petty ending. And and it's like it's a super old 
joke, right? I've seen I've seen this exact bit, at least the building a factory all the way around someone when they're not willing to sell and then them regretting it because, you know, yeah. it's going to be something that that would drive them away. But like the humor in it is is really elevated, I think, by Bark's expressions. And there's a, I do think it was still the time when Barks was uh, at the studio working on the Duck comics. There's a, a, comic, a cartoon, sorry, a animated short called Trombone Trouble, which has a similar theme in being completely overkill. I haven't seen it in a few years, but in that one, Donald's neighbor is playing a trombone and it's so annoying that it annoys the gods <laughs> who then give Donald superpowers just so he can. He can I don't beat, beat remember them. that one. I, I, I'm probably I'm probably telling this story all wrong, but I feel it somehow feels sparks in a way too. It's so over the top, and it right. also involves trombones, and it it literally it's it angers the gods and the gods give Donald That's powers to get rid of the trombone. Yeah, right. I, I would have to. Uh, to look this cartoon up again and um, I'm probably telling the story completely wrong but I'm, I'm curious if this is a comic uh, a cartoon that Barks worked on because he's reused themes from some of the old shorts in other comics too right so, or even even just individual gags that he really liked either way it's a cartoon worth watching so yeah that's cool I'll, I'll check it out as I edit yeah so you know what 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 additional or closing thoughts do you guys have about uh, Wispy Willie here um slash are there any panels that you really want to highlight or mention well uh outside of the panels to me it's it's not per se one of the best comics box ever did but to me this is very quintessential scrooge donald comic in I think a lot of the um, a lot of the Dutch comics too were inspired by these type of stories. So to me, mm-hmm. this really feels like the Scrooge I grew up with. And it's, yeah, it feels like a classic. You like yeah, that mean spirited Scrooge? I mean, when it's funny. I don't. Right. I, it depends on how it's used, of course. But it's, it's so over the top that it's funny. Yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know that the relationship between this family is very unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, because but, uh, <laughs> on one panel you see Scrooge wondering, uh, uh, thinking. Uh, fires and floods are against the law as if that's the yeah. only thing that <laughs> yeah. keeps him right. I was, actually when those. i was reading that's true when i was reading the comic i sent that panel to tim because i thought it was funny. yeah it's a great that, one sorry, i'm glad you mentioned that he's implying that he would use it if he if he could right which is a sword he would just set the house house of his nephews on fire i guess but um yeah, in terms of panels, there's there's a lot of really great expressions. The last panel is very funny. And that, of course, this, the second to last page, when, of course, Willie climbing out is great, but also it's one of the most Scrooge is taking so much delight into doing his evil deeds. It's just right. very, very funny. Um, yeah, that, that quote that you mentioned, the, the little sequence where he's pondering what to do, those four panels are really awesome. Um, him pacing going into the book and then the silhouette of him continuing to look in the book it's all like very i don't know barks keeps it very interesting even though it's just a sequence of him thinking about it yeah he's just sitting and thinking but he's pacing around and then sitting down and he always uh, has these ways to just make the characters do something interesting while there's something bore would normally be boring in a comic right and the same with the donald and the nephews when you just look at when they're in the house Sometimes they're sitting on the floor and then Donald is lying in a chair and they keep changing poses. He just keeps it visually interesting. Right. I mean, the whole sequence where, where Willie is being created, but when they go to the to the lab and there's this, this huge mysterious looking tank and the, the 
the ducks just look on with their hats in their hands. The ducks also look very cute in this comic for some reason. Mm-hmm. As they, they're just observing all this stuff going on. And I like their very warm interactions with uh, Dr. Superthink, is it? Yeah. It's just very genial. It contrasts with Scrooge quite a bit. Yeah, and I wonder... Um... If Bart didn't use gyro here, because it would be too obvious if he would just, I mean, he would know Scrooge, obviously. So he would exactly. just tell the nephews he's doing it for Scrooge. Right. So yeah, I don't think Super Fink is a funny name, man. Yeah. And, and I don't know if gyro would invent, well, well, he just did in the previous story, but yeah, <laughs> would invent something like a bit. Uh, ethereal or something. Um, right. Yeah. The doctor doesn't ask questions. He just does no. sure. what he's told. <laughs> he he just took the money. <laughs> yeah. What's gonna happen with poor Willie though? I don't like how Scrooge is treating this. <laughs> I know. It's too bad that Willie just kind of. It would have been nice if uh, maybe we saw the kids fondly playing with with Willie I mean, he, at the end. He probably lives on Grandma's farm now as a scarecrow or something. Let's just make yeah, this right. head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for uh, joining me. I really appreciate it. It's it's so fun to get to hear your perspectives. Um, and, and even if you guys don't celebrate Halloween, I'll wish you a happy one because th- this will come out in, in the week or so of Halloween. Um, before we close it out, though, do you guys want to like point anyone to any any art pages of yours or or mention anything that you have going on or coming out soon? So in, in any case, I think with, when you post, when you make your post, maybe you could, maybe we could include like a little screenshot mm-hmm. of uh, Willie and Tim's comic. Though when you, when you look on, I looked, uh, when you look up Willie and Index, the character, you do get Tim's page as well. So people can find Excellent. Just... I will definitely be sure to do that. Yeah. And then I can link your, your pages. You guys, but... you guys don't need my, uh, my traffic you guys have some some well-trafficked ones but it's nice to share share with people what you guys do but yeah i would honestly it's also i i recently traded original pages with tim and i got this this great hilarious page from tim but the art just reminds me of this comic in general it's so it's in in our dna (laughs) yeah this this the silliness and uh, also all the the shading. So I would definitely show show that one off as well. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, for, for me on I post art on both uh, my personal Twitter and my Instagram. But um, I would have to spell my name, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. So it's 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 Enrique Draws on Twitter and Enrique G uh, on for the first letter of my last name on on Instagram, I think. And Excellent. I occasionally post work in progress of tech comics and things too there so it's it's relevant <laughs> for the right fun. yeah for me uh i i mostly post on instagram which gets forwarded to my facebook but the instagram handle is uh tim.arts with a z on the end uh dot design so that's where you'll find me nice yeah people should uh check check you guys out you guys have definitely your own style but like i I can tell that you're both, you know, huge Barks fans and it's uh, it, it's great Barksian Disney, you know, comics. So um, check check them out. And and thank you guys again. We we have our own Instagram and Facebook presence. Barks Remarks is our socials. Um, and uh, hopefully listeners can check us out next time around. We'll have more 10 page podcast episodes here and there. And uh, happy Halloween to you guys. Happy Halloween. Or scary Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs>